The biggest thing for me is just the impact that it has on people. Anytime you talk to somebody, you talk to a fan of the books, you talk to somebody about the show that you guys do, people always ask, is it real? Is it genuine? And the answer is 100% yes. When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0 with authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready. Prepping 2.0 coming in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0, joined by my co-host on the show and co-host in life and a whole lot of other co-hosts today, right? That's right. We have many folks in the studio. We have Scotty. The real Scotty from the 299 Days book series. Most of you are avid readers of the 299 book series, and you're probably fascinated by the real-life members of the team depicted in the books. Well, we have the real Scotty in studio to give you inside stories about the books, and he's one of our best friends, so he has all kinds of inside stories about the fun that we have together. We also have, we have a second treat. We also have real Patreons in our studio telling you their interesting stories this is going to be a special episode. Well, I wanted to let folks know about Peace of Mind, EMP Shield. You can, for a few hundred dollars and $50 off if you use our coupon code, get a device that will protect whatever it's wired into from an electromagnetic pulse or a coronal mass ejection pulse. It's a pretty amazing piece of technology, and it takes one of the main worries that we have off your mind. So get some peace of mind, get an EMP shield, go to prepping2-0.com, friends and affiliates tab, look for the EMP shield logo and click on it. It's got the coupon code right there and uh, you'll be glad you did. But by the way, a ton of Prepping 2.0 listeners have been getting EMP shields. So you're in good company if you go ahead and get it. Two quick administrative announcements. One of them is, we are doing something right, Shelby. We had our second strike on YouTube. Yes, we did. Yeah, one more strike and we're done for on YouTube, which means you need to, if you are listening to this show on YouTube, and I say listening because there's no video component, we just have a picture on the screen. Um, then you should transition over to Rumble, which is like YouTube, only it doesn't suck. And uh, it's not run by communists. So that those are two big pluses for Rumble. It's rumble.com. Look for Prepping 2.0 as a show. And if you like the idea of um, listening to a video feed, basically, I know that sounds weird, but a lot of people do it, then go to Rumble and watch the show there because Rumble will never shut us down because they're not communists. And also, the Panhandle Preparedness Expo in North Idaho is going to be the first weekend of October. We are going to be there. We love seeing you guys. A lot of people travel to North Idaho to come to the Panhandle. It's kind of like homecoming week. It's like everybody shows up. And it's like the first day of school. Everybody's got new clothes on. It's just a lot of fun. And uh, speaking of people traveling great distances to come hang out and visit and be together with fellow P2Oers, um, this is the weekend that we are having Patreons over to our house. And uh, that's why we have um, some Patreons with us in studio because they, and we'll t talk about them, um, have an amazing story. And so we love hanging out with you guys. Now, the downside is, candidly, you got to either travel to Montana or North Idaho. And depending on where you live, that could be quite the haul. But consider it. It's a lot of fun. The cool thing about hanging out with other P2Oers is you realize you're not crazy. There are all kinds of regular people around you, and it's very motivating and very validating. Lurkers. Come out of the shadows. What's a lurker? I will answer my own rhetorical question. Um, a lurker is somebody who listens to the regular show. Uh, by the way, it could be on radio. We're on several radio stations. Thank you, radio stations. Thank you, radio listeners. Could be someone who listens on the radio or listens to the free show on iTunes or Spotify or rumble and they don't get the after show and they don't get the video bonus shows because they're not patreon supporters that's why we call them lurkers they're lurking they see the potential goldenness of the after show and we're gonna have a great after show today by the way so consider doing it it's two bucks a month um, or five bucks a month plus you get the outtakes and the outtakes are pretty doggone golden so let's get into it i would like to introduce my very good friend Scotty, fake name. We all, we all have fake names in this business. But anyway, Scotty is a real dude. You're going to hear from him. And he is the inspiration behind the character Scotty. See how creative I am? 
the character Scotty in the 299 Days book series. Scotty um, is real. We'll get into that. We'll tell some stories. But as a lot of you know, 299 Days, almost all the characters, at least in the first book, that first book was some a collection of stories that happened that actually happened. Books two through 10 project out into the future. And so by definition, they haven't happened yet. Actually, a lot of it actually has happened. But anyway, um, uh, um, so he's an actual guy and he's gonna tell some stories about being a member of the actual real team. It's a real thing, we'll talk about that. And then how the the book started out and his involvement in it. He's a very interesting guy. I would love to introduce to you, Scotty. Say hello to the folks. How's everybody doing? Nice. <laughs> like his character is depicted in the book, he's uh, not a very verbose guy. He just gets down to business. But um, Scotty, tell the story about how the, the real team came together. Sure. Yeah. So we all started out uh, frequenting one gun store. And and one of the people that worked there kind of put us all together and said, "Hey, you guys should go. You guys should go shoot." About and 2009. About 2009, yeah. I, and I met Glenn at the store, and we started talking. I said, "You should come out to this thing that we host on the weekends." And I asked you, you know, bring whatever guns you got. We'll come out. We'll shoot. We'll BS. Have a good time. And we'll introduce you to everybody else that I know. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, you came out and brought that box of donuts. So in the book, I talk because I'm not creative. Everyone thinks, oh, you have such a great imagination. No, all the dialogue in book one, almost all of it is based on true stories. It's it's funny. Pow, another member of the team who's a real guy, who's a six foot Korean uh, gunfighter who sells insurance for real. He uh, he said one time we were having this conversation and he said, is this conversation going to end up being in a book? And I said, absolutely it is. So anyway, I actually brought out donuts. I thought I would, you know, make myself, uh, ingratiate myself with people. And besides who doesn't love donuts? I know you love donuts. I do love donuts. You do love donuts. See, that's a real American right there. Absolutely. And so, um, actually came out and brought donuts. And then another scene in the book about the, the beginning, the first meeting of the team at the gun range, I talk about Scotty picking up a case of 5.56 ammo, which weighs, I don't know, 40 pounds probably, something like that, yeah, and throwing it across the bed of the truck like it was a bag of potato chips. That's also real. See, again, it sounds so cool and, and uh, you know creative and descriptive, but it's not. It's actually what happened. I think the team coming together and all the stuff we did after that, which we'll talk about, was an absolute miracle. It was a gift from God. It was getting people together. Uh, he does amazing things. Guys hanging out in a gun store end up becoming this amazing team. It's it's really a great story. We'll keep going. T- talk about the real team and, and the guys on it and how everybody came together. People love knowing the inside story behind these characters in the books. I say characters in quotes because they are characters in books, but they're actual real people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, and that's the cool part about book one especially is it is – us yeah captured it yeah and the cool part is none of us got into it with any sort of idea of creating a team when we all got together we were just guys that like to go shoot you were there for the donuts yep that's about it that that was about it i was just there for the donuts i didn't want to shoot yeah always the sprinkle donuts Mm -hmm. yes yeah but we all at one point or another was in and out of that store we'd met each other we'd seen each other around and to get a chance to go and and hang out with people that were like-minded that like to do the same things that we used to do or still do um very very cool and you meet people and you're like wow these people like to do the same kind of thing that i like to do and that us going and, and shooting on on a weekend turned into something a whole lot different a whole lot bigger uh, to the point where it's a family mm-hmm. and we would get together on days called them gun nights and, and we would get together and we would do projects. Sometimes we'd reload. Sometimes we'd build stuff. We teach each other classes. There yeah. were medical courses. Absolutely. Yeah. We would do all sorts of things. Everybody brought a different skill set to the table. And that's an amazing thing. Give a, uh, I'll, I'll mention 
members of the team and let folks know a little bit about them and especially some of the skill sets they bring. The most popular guy on the team, by the way, is not me or not you. It's Pal. Well, of course. Everybody loves Pal. <laughs> and so tell folks a little bit about the real Pal. So the real Pal is, again, a, a giant six-foot Korean gunfighter. Um, <laughs> but he has a lot of other cool skills, and, and he is an incredibly smart dude. He's a very, very smart guy and a true good friend. He's, he's somebody that would show up in the middle of the night if you needed him for whatever. And he is an incredible fisherman, as I'm sure oh, he's amazing. many people know. Uh, also an incredible hunter now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been a recent adventure for him as mm-hmm. uh, archery hunting. Uh, you know, but he he's just a good all-around dude. He can fix anything. He's got a very analytical mind, very mechanically sound uh, in comparison to perhaps some he, other folks. Yes, yeah, you. exactly. Yeah. We'll tell that story later, too. <laughs> well, why don't you tell the story? I mean, we'll finish up with Pal, but I don't want to tease people. Tell folks about how mechanically disinclined I am. Well, there are many examples, yes, I, I, I suppose. <laughs> I, I remember one instance in particular. Uh, Please tell. Drawing up plans for a, a woodshed. Oh, yes. Oh, that. God, what a fiasco. <laughs> <laughs> and creating a supply list. And I blueprinted out this whole woodshed that we put it. Very detailed. Yeah. Very detailed. It was all measured out, the board feet that you'd need. Mm-hmm. Said, all you have to do is call call the lumberyard. And, and get what's on the sheet. what on the list. Just just order what's on the list. And that was difficult. It was difficult. Because <laughs> you're like, well, do we really need that much? It, <laughs> yes, it's, I measured it. You've built woodsheds before. You know what you're doing. Yes. <laughs> and just to fill folks in, the um, Armed Services Vocational Aptitude Battery, ASVAB, is a test to that the military gives people. And I was never in the military. A lot of high school students take this test because it tells them what they're good at. You know, if you're good at mechanical reasoning or communications or whatever it may be. Um, I got the 15th percentile for mechanical and spatial reasoning. I am functionally retarded. When it comes to these things, I have an actual it's like dyslexia, sort of. Um, I'm diagnosing myself because I've been to medical school. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so um, it, I, I'm really terrible at it. And that's a great example of this team, because I have none of these skills and tons of other guys, Scotty in particular, have these skills. And we all have strengths and weaknesses. But that's just the beginning of why the team is cool when it comes to skills. The second layer of cool is that we all acknowledge that we have deficiencies and we rely on the other guys. There's no egos on this team because this team would not have survived for so many years if guys had egos because I don't want to be around that stuff, right? No. I, yeah. That's the cool part because I've been a part of many, many different teams or many different things as I've gone through life. This is more like a family than it is mm-hmm. – a a team or an organization or anything else. It really feels that way. I love the lack of accounting in the team. And I don't mean um, accounting in the sense of being held accountable. I mean, the money accounting, like guys will be like, Hey, I got an extra, you know, um, bulletproof vest. Do you need one? And other guys will be like, Hey, I got a case of five, five, six, let's go shoot it. I mean, there's no counting. I love that. And that's like a family. And it's very rare for human beings at least in my world, you know, law and all of that, for people not to be counting stuff. And it is so refreshing. So continue talking about Pow because, once again, he's the one that everybody loves, not that there's any <laughs> ego involved here. No, you're, you're not hurt at all. No, I'm not. <laughs> it's my show. <laughs> but everyone wants to hear about Pow. Exactly. So yeah. give them what they want. Absolutely. So um, one of the cool things is that Pow is an incredible teacher. Yes, he, he can teach you a lot about a lot of things. And he taught me a tremendous amount about fishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not one of my strongest suits still to this day. Not 15th percentile not bad. Not 15th percentile yeah. bad. Yeah, no, I can still, you know, I can still bait my own hooks and <laughs> I can still handle all of my own business for the most part. But uh, I just remember going on a, a lake summer camping trip with him and going fishing. And we spent five days on this huge lake on a pontoon boat. And we were ripping lips for days. Mm-hmm. All we would do is go out and we would go fish. Mm-hmm. And he was crushing the whole time. 
and it was me and one other person on the boat, and I was doing okay, mm-hmm. but nowhere near what Pal was doing. And he finally, he's teaching me how he's doing what he's doing. And it's that time that he spends teaching you, showing you the minute detail on how to do something better. Like, you're doing okay, but try this. Add this little tidbit into it. The other really cool part, especially about that trip, is Pow is an amazing cook. Yes. So everything we caught, we ate. And, oh, my goodness. And absolutely delicious. Mm-hmm. As you also know, because you were there. Yes. <laughs> well, I wanted to add something to the pontoon boat. I want to tell the famous jet ski story. Uh, I think we should. Okay. It goes without saying. It's one of the best team stories that there is. There ever was. So um, these guys are out fishing on a pontoon boat on a lake that's 27 miles long. It's it's a dammed river, so it looks like you know a big pencil, basically. So it's this huge lake. And I get there late. I get there a day or two later because I was doing some business. And um, I get there late, and we were going to rendezvous at 6 o'clock in the evening. That's our plans because we're preppers. We figure stuff out. We have communications plans, or did we? So I get there not at 6 p.m. I get there at 11 in the afternoon. And not I have the all plan. the plan. Yeah, not the plan. <laughs> and so I, I have many hours to kill, like seven of them. And, um, and I'm at this little teeny, like, fishing rental place, and all it has is a convenience store, right? And so I'm like, what am I going to do for seven hours? I need to get out to the pontoon. How am I going to do that? So I pull out my cell phone, of course. This is before I knew anything about comms, and we did the PEM radio flashcards and all that. I pull out my cell phone. Ah, no service. Oh, that shouldn't be surprising. We're in the middle of nowhere in eastern Washington. So I thought, well, how am I going to communicate with these guys? So I came up with a plan. And I have to say, this is an example of being adaptable, right? And, and taking the, the cards you've been dealt and playing the best hand you possibly can. So I hatched up a scheme because I noticed there were some jet skis and they were for rent. So I said, well, I'll just get it, grab a jet ski and I'll go zoom it around and go find them. I've never ridden a jet ski before, but it comes with a free life jacket. How hard could it be, right? So... I go and I say, yeah, I'd like to rent a, a jet ski. And they said, I'll be like 150 bucks or something like that. And I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. I'll sit here for seven hours drinking Coronas out of the you know convenience store. That That's probably a good idea. And I did have a couple uh, couple of brews. So I was really thinking super awesome at this point. That really helped my mental reasoning. So I noticed there was this kid on a jet ski. He was like, 16, 17, he was a teenager, and, and he was hanging out with his parents. So in kind of this flash of uh, creativity and adaptability, I hatched a plan. So I went up to the kid's dad, and uh, I, I pulled out, I had like vitamin pills, like, you know, the daily pill things. It's got like an M for Monday and a T, T for Tuesday. So I brought that with me, and I went and I talked to the dad, and I, I waved the pills around. And I said, I got a friend out there on a pontoon boat who's got a heart condition. He forgot his medicine. He absolutely has to have this medicine. And then I realized if I said, or he'll die, they'll call the sheriff's department, get a helicopter and, and go out there. And then I get a bill for $30,000, which is kind of how it works. If you fake a search and rescue story, you're going to end up paying for that for that helicopter by the hour. Also more expensive than the $150 jet ski. Thank you very much so. So I, I added to the dad, I said, he's not going to die or anything. He's just going to be extremely uncomfortable. So the dad said, oh, and he points to his teenage son. He says, whatever the kid's name was, um, why don't you take this guy out? So I get on the back of this jet ski and this no kid- phone book. Yeah, no phone book. <laughs> it's kind of an inside joke. I don't want to say it on the air. Anyway, so um, we go zooming out, and this kid, he's like, he's in life-saving mode. This is like the most adventure he's ever had. So we're zooming around the lake. It took 45 minutes. I got horribly sunburned, by the way, because I'm such a great planner and so adaptable. Not really. So finally, we find the pontoon boat you guys are in. And describe the scene when I roll up on with some strange kid on a jet ski to the pontoon boat seven hours early. Very, very perplexed. <laughs> you're, you're screaming. I don't know who this is and why they're yelling at us, but it couldn't possibly be Glenn because that's far too early He's, for you to we're show We're going to get him at six, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, we'll go back in and we'll pick him up for right. an evening bite. No, 
It turns out it's Glenn. And he's waving around a pill container. <laughs> he jumps up onto the pontoon boat. And the very first thing he does is he hugs, hugs Pow. And he yeah. whispers into his ear. He says, just play along. Just play along. And so I said, here's your heart medicine, man. I'm glad that we saved the day. And Pow said, yeah, thanks, man. I really needed my heart medicine because... Anyway, so I got out on the pontoon. We had a great time. We had a few cocktails, and uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful time. So anyway, that's a story about Pow and you and me and adaptability and how you got to play the the hand you're dealt. And you don't need to have a jet ski to get out to somebody on a pontoon boat. You just need to talk a, a gullible teenager into it with some cockamamie story. That works, too. It did. It was very <laughs> successful, and it's turned into one of the the greatest stories of, of our adventures. Our I guess teamhood. you would say, our, yeah, our teamhood. Yeah, that's, yes. a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell folks about you mentioned Pow cooking, and when it comes to Pow, food is a big topic. Paint the picture. Give the scene when we would go to Korean barbecue with Pow. Mm, this absolutely. is one of the the amazing adventures. Yes. So we for our special events. We would uh, go to a Korean barbecue restaurant, and we would have Pao's Korean for Pao's those Korean, yes. you, you don't know big family style dinners. And if you've never been to a Korean restaurant, a Korean barbecue restaurant, there's a stove or two, depending on the size of the table. In the middle of the table, Pao would order the food in, in Korean. In Korean, yeah, he's fluent in Korean. Yep, and the food would come out, and he would cook the food family style. He'd tell stories about it. He'd yep. tell you about the food. It's amazing. He'd tell you about his childhood, tell you about where things came from, why things are things the way, or why things are the way they are. Um, and just, just amazing food. And that's one of the cool things that, again, along with the lake story and, and Korean barbecue is that those are just kind of like family gatherings, you know, yeah. kind of the gun nights. We'd, we'd get together some nights and not do anything other than just hang out, yeah. have dinner, barbecue, visit, BS, you know? Yeah. And that was, that's cool to have friends that are more family than friends mm -hmm. just getting together and doing stuff. And, and the, uh, the proprietors of the Korean barbecue like took Pow in as like their adopted son. He would come in and they would smile and they would hug him. And then they would give us all these menu selections that weren't on the menu. It was like this special food that they only had for like their family and we would get this stuff. It's mind-blowing stuff. We talk about the meat sweats. We would eat so much meat. There would be so much protein. We would start sweating because it's all meat-based, which is one of the reasons Korean food is amazing. So, yeah, it's, it's a great kind of uh, insight into what the real team was about. And, and in a moment, I'm going to have to break here for the second segment. But I wanted to just let people know this. These stories we're telling are more than just cool stories. This should tell you how you should run your team. It should be a family. You should go out for barbecue. It's not all about, you know, range time. So I wanted to mention some sponsors that we have. These are fantastic people. Jared Savick at redstate-realtor.com, realtors.com. He's a, a Montana realtor. Katie Armour, Backwoods Home. Lizzie McDaniel, who is also at redstate-realtors.com. She's going to help you out in Tennessee if you're relocating there. My Kind CBD, Numana Freeze-Dried Food. We had Daniel Brigman on a little while ago. Uh, Minuteman Coffee, and that rounds out our sponsor. So stick around. We're going to have more great stories from Scotty. More of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love Numana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. 
When the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself. And save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com. Click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. Love America and a great cup of coffee? At Minutemen Coffee, we're passionate about our freedom, liberty, and exceptional coffee. Minutemen Coffee is a nationally recognized specialty coffee roaster, offering small batch roasted coffee for the people. Our heritage line is something for everyone, featuring dark, medium, and light roasts that are bold but not bitter, and offered in whole bean, drip, and K-pods. Our liberal tears decaf also packs bold flavor for those who want delicious, satisfying coffee any time of the day. Plus, a portion of Minutemen Coffee sales goes to first responders and veteran-focused charities. And check out our coffee club for free shipping, 15% off, and the freedom to choose your roast grind quantity and how often you want it delivered. Shop online at MinutemenCoffee.com and use promo code FREEDOM at checkout for 15% off your first order. And have the freshest, most delicious coffee in the country delivered right to your door. Go to MinutemenCoffee.com. That's MinutemenCoffee.com. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Looking to meet other like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own prepper group? Already have a group? Join PrepperNet.com. PrepperNet has gathered the biggest names in the industry to help unite preppers everywhere. Join John Jacob Schmidt, Scott Hunt, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, Glenn Tate, Shelby Gallagher, Charlie Hogwood, Samuel Culper, Survivor Jane, Rick Austin, Franklin Horton, Ryan Mitchell, and Brian Duff. Our team is united. Check us out at PrepperNet. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. PrepperNet.com. Prepping 2.0 is about that next level of prepping. One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for come and take it, makes solid and affordable body armor for normal people. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Welcome back, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher, joined by uh, Glenn Tate and Scotty. We're having a great time in the studio today, and I'm going to just hand it back to Glenn because we're going to get some more Scotty stories. We are, but first, I wanted to mention with our theme of peace of mind with EMP Shield, another shield, which is U.S. Law Shield. This is concealed carry insurance. It's about 100 bucks a year. You can get your whole family involved for about 150 bucks a year. You get 14 months for the price of 12 when you use the coupon code on our website, prepping2-0.com, friends and affiliates tab. Click on the US Law Shield logo. You'll see the coupon code there. And uh, one of our Patreons is gonna be joining us later in this show. And he's gonna tell you that he's been a long time US Law Shield customer and he's very happy with it. He lives in one of the reddest states in America where you don't have to worry about George Soros district attorneys uh, overcharging you when you're acting in self-defense. Yet he still has the insurance. So, and I also wanted to mention our archive of the week. This is great. We are going back and looking at old episodes because we have so many new listeners that you may not know that we are on episode 201, for example, and we go back to 2018, our, our highlighted one, and it, it ended up becoming quite a, a principle we've expanded upon was episode five, November 29th, 2018. It was called Nutrition and Layering. And it was about planning your food preps to have the nutrition you need because you can't just eat, you know, you know, Orange Julius's, right? I mean, you can't just, oh, an old reference. Scotty, who's young, wouldn't understand what an Orange Julius is because they, they, don't, they don't have malls now. Malls were these places where people would go and shop. Anyway, anyway. But 
nutrition and layering. And then we came up with this concept of layering, which is having different kinds of foods that have different qualities to them and different prices and different storage dates. Anyway, highly recommend you go back and look at or listen to episode five, nutrition and layering. Well, we're back with Scotty and, and Scotty, I would like you to tell the story about the first uh, look that anyone on the planet had of a manuscript of 299 days. Set the stage and tell the story. Absolutely. So to start it off, I was very, very sick in the hospital. And uh, the people that would come see me were on the team. The team. The team, yeah, exactly. You don't have any other friends or family. It's no, just the team. basically just yeah. you guys, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, Glenn showed up one day, and he brought a small little kind of tiny laptop what would be kind of like a notebook size laptop. Mm-hmm. And he said, Hey, I know you're kind of bored in here. I brought you something to cheer you up and give you something to do. I said, okay, cool. Cause you didn't know that I was writing the books. At no this one point. had any idea yeah. at the time that you had, had written a book at all yeah. or 10 or well, not at the time. Yeah. But yes, <laughs> no one had any idea that you had been working on this project. It was not something that we, even talked about really it was just kind of a i think more of a cathartic thing for you yes to just kind of write and it's cool obviously right that's why we're here today Mm -hmm. but i'm sitting in the hospital bed and i'm real tired a lot of the time kind of doing some touch and goes with some pain meds waking up falling asleep but you had come to visit me and you brought this laptop and you said hey i I wrote this thing just read it and tell me what you think you're going to be bored you got a lot of free time maybe this will entertain you Get some laughs because you're one of the characters. I'm one of the, yeah, because I you are one of the characters in this in this thing that I have written. Because I don't even think you called it a book at the time. I think you just said, "I wrote this. Read it. You're in it, and just tell me what you think." And so I remember <laughs> sitting there in the hospital for about two and a half, probably three days. I read this whole manuscript that was just on a word document at the time. You had just gone mm-hmm. through and just typed, mm-hmm. and I was absolutely floored. I was completely blown ab- blown away by what you had put down on paper. Thank you. For our our story, more or less. I mean, it's that's the cool part about book one, especially, and it's it it is us and they're real stories about things that we did or experienced and had fun doing. And then you wrote that. And I got a chance to to read it and you obviously put things in the books that are different somewhat from right our actual persons but artistic license art, yes you had you had the artistic license since it's your book and yeah. at the time it was just a word document that you're just writing just for fun but the cool part was is you put a lot of thought into how everything came about how the team developed and and that's the cool part especially for people on the outside looking in how do i do this right it made me think how blessed we were in the way things happen when I got a chance to read that. And I think you came back a couple days later. I think I was still reading it at the time when the next visit you came back and Mm -hmm. I was still reading it. And I remember telling you a couple of things that I had found in the book that just didn't make sense. Yeah. (laughs) It's artistic license. Artistic license. When you've lived what happened and you read about it, you can look at it and say, well, this didn't happen. And I had a reason to do it the way I did it. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't argue with me. I mean, you're the author, right? But I've, I still get to poke fun at you forever. So that's, that's right. Okay. That's right. But that was a really cool thing for me that you trusted me as the first person ever really to read what you wrote down. And I remember just sitting there and we had a conversation for probably an hour or two about how good it was and how awesome it was because it was your first rough draft. Yeah. And it was very, very good. I mean, it was almost entirely readable. There were very few things that really got changed from the original manuscript to the actual book. Especially in book one. And, and it's important to note, I didn't have a publishing deal when you saw this. I mean, it was truly just as you described, a Word document, something I was working on. A quick story about the publishing thing, which is another miracle. There are so many miracles involved in my life, by the way. I mean, you know, I almost died twice last year and all that other stuff. But the publishing thing, is an interesting story. I wrote 10 books and then called a publisher. Apparently that's not the way you're supposed to do it. Apparently you're supposed to not spend three years writing something on the off chance it'll get published. I didn't know anything about the publishing business. And so I sent this 10 book manuscript to the first publisher that I sent it to. 
And they said, I'll never forget the phone call. We love it. Would you like a 10 book deal? I couldn't believe it. And I don't say that because I'm amazing. God wrote this book. You know me very well. And you know, please, please say so. I have no ego. You know that me on my own, I don't have the talent to put this story together. This story came together with God's hand. There's no way. You know me. You know my skills. It's a God thing for sure. Thank you. I mean, exactly. There's no better way to put that. Yeah. And it's impacted so many people. We're going to hear from one of them, for example, here in the after show. And it is God wanted this message to get out about not only how to prep, because there's all kinds of tidbits in there, little informational pieces, but also to describe how a team should come together and what your goals should be. And it's not to kill a bunch of people that you don't like because there's no cops around. That is precisely not the message of these books. It's about how to be a force for good. And I think when stuff falls apart, a whole lot of people in this country are going to take things from that book, whether it's motivational things or informational things or just sort of the whole overarching narrative of these books. And there's going to be a lot of communities that have good people doing good things in part because God used me. I'm just the guy at the keyboard. That's how I describe it. I would get these thoughts in when I was putting these characters together. And I knew it wasn't me because I knew I'd never had that thought before. And then I'd write it out and I'd say, oh, my goodness, this looks fabulous just because God put it together. And so that is a great story about 299 days and how the books came together. And I I love that you were the first guy to read it. And I was when I ask you, so do you like it? I was hanging on every word because I, I know you're so honest. You're a no BS guy. I mean, you're polite and everything. You get along with people. But if this thing was terrible, you would have said, it's not ready for prime time. I mean, you would have been nice, but you would have told me. And I was elated when it passed the Scotty test. Yeah. So what have been some of the other things in your life that have come about because you're a character in these books, besides the fact that you have to walk around with a Sharpie because you signed so many autographs? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess there is that piece to it, right? Yeah. I think the probably the biggest thing for me is just the impact that it has on people. Because anytime you talk to somebody, you talk to a fan of the books, you talk to somebody about you know the show that you guys do or people always ask is it is it real? Is it genuine? And the answer is 100% yes. Because I could ask anybody on the team for anything. And I know that I have people coming to help me if I need it. You know, it's cool when people come up and and talk to you and they just they want to know stories. You know, they want to know how how did you guys do this? And and I would say and I I think you'd probably agree with me that we didn't do it. We God put us all together. Yep. And this thing came together for a reason. And I really enjoy just talking to people about silly little stories, fun little things that we've done, you know, but some people want to know about the tactical stuff. Some people want to know mm-hmm. about the shooting. Some people want the funny stories, the the silly, you know, I'm riding on a jet ski looking for my friends in the middle of a lake story, right? <laughs> With a made up cockamamie With, story. Right. But those are the kind of things that you will tell people forever. Those are stories that will live on through our team forever is one of like the moments, right? Or one of the things that we just love. And that story is related at probably every Christmas party, yeah. every well, there's always retelling of stories, right? That's oh yeah. Kind of the, the Ranger TV. You sit around a fire and you talk and tell stories about things that we've all had a chance to do together. One of the other classic scenes in the book that spawned a classic phrase, and I wanna have you tell folks about it and paint the picture for them. It's the uh, scene in the books where we're riding on the running boards of a black SUV at a training facility. And Powell comes up with the phrase, this never gets old. It beats the blank out of selling insurance. And it captured that feeling we had when we were kitted up and we were out training and getting ready to do good stuff for good people and to help people. It was that euphoria of 
being part of a small group, a tight group. So to paint the picture of the scene when we would go out to Joe's and train, it was a real military and law enforcement training facility. And tell some of the stories about the bunkhouse out there and all of the other stuff. Just let folks see this world that they're not going to see unless they hear it from you. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the cool parts about uh, being able to go to Joe's facility um, was was a bunkhouse. And for me, I've always been a, a Western fan. So and it's a very Western style bunkhouse that if you've ever worked on a ranch, been a day worker, any sort of cowboy in very reminiscent of that so i was i was already hooked in general but just a cool place where we could all get together at the end of the day big old fireplace place to cook place to circle up some chairs in the middle of the room and and hang out and talk i remember when we very first got there we showed up joe said hey here's here's the bunkhouse this is your guys as you do what you want with it so we show up we drop all of our stuff in there select our bunks and we're all kind of looking around like, wow, this is this is really cool because this is kind of our first foray into a outside training facility, something that's not our local norm. So we drop all of our stuff off. We go out and tour all the ranges, see all the facility that we're going to be using over the next few days. And the scene that you're talking about, the the drill that you're talking about, essentially riding on the the running boards where uh, pow made that kind of famous statement <laughs> yeah. that uh, has lived on throughout the team uh, is we're, we're getting progressively faster doing more and cooler things as we progress through some shooting drills. We had some people out there doing some instruction for us at the time because we're not the be all end all no. at all. We, you want a lot of humility come, on this team. Absolutely. Well, and you want people to come and teach you, right? Like, I don't know everything. I, I don't know a lot about a lot of things, but we can find somebody that does, right? Mm-hmm. So we're doing all these drills. We're having a, a great time, and that was a fantastic weekend of just hanging out, learning a ton, working. Um, the kind of the end of that day, um, I think, was probably a real pivotal moment for mm-hmm. for us and I don't, I don't know if you agree with that necessarily but I think that the coolest part for me was going back to that bunkhouse at, at the end of the day after you know being all hot and sweaty dropping all your kit dropping your guns and sitting around cooking over the fire having our you know whatever it is that we'd had for dinner and I couldn't even tell you what it was and making fun of me for being old well that's that classic goes saying yes yeah. it, Glenn is older than than dirt. Yes, it's a it's a sliding scale. We we <laughs> joked about it this morning because I I said that I'm old, and that made him very happy. Yeah, it, but I said it, it it's a sliding scale because the older I get, that just means you're that much older. So, yeah, but and that's the that's the fun part. You know, we can joke, we can rib, and it's all in it's all in jest. It's all in good fun, right? Yeah, and we we fight like brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's kind of the way that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, just sitting around, sitting around that fire and talking and learning and sharing experiences. That's, that's the cool part. That's the part for me that I got the most out of, I would say. I don't know. It, sometimes it's not even about the training. It's about just being around your family, being around your people. Yeah. And I think it's one of the reasons I've never been in the military. And as you know, I never want to imply that, you know, I'm some tactical guru, but I can imagine it's only imagining that the thing that draws men to special operations teams and all the misery they go through and all the danger and all the other stuff, the thing that makes it all worthwhile is the brotherhood. And we actually captured that with our civilian team. Uh, I mean, yeah, you worked at a hospital at the time, as I describe in the book. I mean, we're not, we're not trying to be anything. We're not, we just grew beyond our actual technical place in life and became something extra and something better and something different. And a lot of people can relate to that and they want, I I don't know how many, let me ask you this. Do you get questions? How do I start a team? (laughs) Yes. I I think everybody really kind of wants to know that, right? Because that's the, that's the kind of the secret ingredient more or less. Right. And, and for us, it, it just happened, right? We were all at the gun store at various times and like, hey, 
let's let's start go shooting, right? And so we we would go shooting every weekend, and that was kind of the the entryway into finding people. And obviously, not everyone that we shot with was part of the team mm-hmm. at at the end of it, right? But we found people that we genuinely liked being around that had similar interests, similar ideals. And that just grew into something because we all had that drive. We wanted something more, right? You're striving for that next rung on the ladder of excellence. And that's, that's what we did to get to where we are now. That's right. Um, what are some other memories, stories? I mean, you have a complete blank canvas to paint pictures. Tell some other stuff about the team. Well, there's, there's one story in particular that, that he's looking at me like, do you want me to say this? But go ahead. I have no ego. If I look bad, it's a great story. There's one story in particular. I remember we're doing a, a, a a ruck march. I don't know if if you remember. Oh, I do. And, uh, I was in charge of the, the training evolution for that, uh, for that weekend. Uh, I ran the the training and one of the things that we were going to do was a, as a ruck march. And I gave very clear, specific instructions. Yes, you did. About where to have, what to be, or what to have, where to be. Yes. And someone failed to follow instructions. That would be me. That would be you, yes. Mm-hmm. And to pay a penalty for that. Yes, which was, you must do. Which you must do is, is physical suffering. Yes, which I did. Yes. So I remember <laughs> I, I, I took your, your assault pack, which I think is all we were going with at the time, and I replaced yeah. it with an entire rucksack. Yeah. With some very heavy things in it. I don't know what it was like, like body armor or yeah, like yeah, radio extra, batteries. Yep, there's a vest in there. There's all sorts of tools, all yeah. sorts of stuff. Basically stuff just to make it heavy and make it suck for you. To be cruel. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. To teach you a valuable yes, lesson. I, and I learned it. Never be late, never be light. Mm-hmm. So I give you this bag and I remember setting everybody off. And you, as the oldest member of the team. By far. By far. <laughs> um, still just kept going you kept trucking through the whole thing by the end of it you were absolutely completely and utterly spent totally gassed but you finished and i had to show you guys it was it it was motivation it wasn't about me per se it was i have to show you guys that if we're in a situation like this i'm not the wink link i'm not going to get you guys killed because i'm out of shape or i'm tired or i'm going to complain about having a heavy pack you needed to see that I was an asset to this team and not a liability. Right. And those kind of things show everybody your level of dedication. Yeah. And so that's, that part's really cool. And that, that for me is you see small little things from people from time to time of their level of dedication or their willingness to strive for something. And that right there proved everything you'd need to know about you. Yeah. About the amount of suck that you had to go through just to show everybody, I'm not going to be that guy that's going to let you down. Because as complete civilians, obviously, it's not like you can throw me in the brig or order me, you know, to be punished. I mean, it's entirely voluntary being on this civilian team. And so my only motivation was, again, to be an asset, not a liability. It's not like I was doing, if I were in the military, I would be doing this heavy ruck march because I didn't want to get tossed in the brig. Yeah. You have, I suppose, a little bit of a different drive for that, right? It's not even your job necessarily. It is something completely different. It's something that you want to do that, and I'm not saying that people in the military don't want to do their job. I'm just saying that you're doing this outside of your regular everyday employment. You're doing this for your family, for the team. And the cool part is watching people step up in those particular situations. Um, You know, and it's happened multiple times throughout the existence of the team as it's been a lot of years now. Yeah. You know, and that, that's the cool part. You watch people. There, there are things, obviously, that I'm not good at, right? I, and I will ask. The list is long. The list is long and <laughs> distinguished. Yes. It, and I will ask for help yeah. from people on the team because there are things that I, I'm not good at, frankly. Mm-hmm. I, and you know what? I may not know how to do something, but I know somebody that does. Exactly. And that's, it comes back to that. I can, you know, I can make a phone call in the middle of the night. And I know that, you know, Glenn's going to show up. 
or Pow's going to show up or somebody else is going to show up because that's the level of trust I have in the people on the team. And doing those things, doing that, it's not necessarily a punishment, but more of a lesson for you uh, with that ruck in place of your... It never happened again, It by never the way. happened again. Yeah. No, you, were, you were always on time. You were always ready to go, and you followed the instructions. Yeah. Right? That whole weekend was very, very valuable as, as far as teaching people, teaching us, you know, all how to follow those instructions and to, to build as a team, right? Because there were multiple occasions, not just you. We all had failures, right? We're all coming up short, and we're all paying different consequences as a result. Yes. Throughout that weekend. But it was valuable in the sense that nobody complained, nobody quit, nobody's like, no, I'm not doing that. Everybody just said, yep, I'm, I'm going to get it done because this is my team and we're going to take care of each other. One of the things that Sean Swanson talked about on the previous episode was skills are more important than stuff. What do you think about that? Absolutely. I, I would much rather have somebody that has all sorts of skills and no equipment or very little equipment and be able to build that person up from either stores that you have on hand or that person can do so many other things for you, right? You can be the coolest guy with the most equipment, but if you can't run a mile, are you really benefiting anybody? Mm -hmm. it, the biggest thing I think is, is take care of yourself phys physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Start there then start building yourself up with your equipment. But start with you, start with the skills that you have because that's always more valuable than equipment. Equipment gets lost, damaged, destroyed, you're separated from it. If you have no skills, you're not worth as much. Yeah, and we live that. I, I look back and I was always the guy with the, the least cool gear. I, you remember I, that. I, I mean, loved the A2 with the EOTech. The A2 with the EOTech screwed into the carry handle. Yeah, and you guys had all these cool red dots. And uh, I was just playing the hand I was dealt. I was under some um, financial constraints, not of my doing, <clears throat> ex-wife. And uh, it was a problem. So, well, this has been a fantastic talk with The Real Scotty. I think you guys listening got a lot of insight into what it's really about with this team. And I think you got motivated because you can see that we are not special. We're just regular guys. And we approach this training thing and this team building thing in a particular way. Anyone can do what we did. Now, it really helps when God's involved. So you need to have God in your life so that you do have God involved because you can't do this on your own. But with God, God can take a group of regular guys, insurance salesmen, for example, and turn them into the team. So with that, I will say the famous quote that Shelby usually says, quoting Benjamin Franklin, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Have a great week, everybody. You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. All the information you've heard today, including all our previous shows, is online at prepping2-0.com. Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared.